Have you ever been reading a celebrity pastor's blog posts or listening to a famous Bible teacher and something jumps out to you and you're just like, how am I the only person seeing this thing? Why isn't anyone talking about it? Well, you're not alone. Welcome to Underdog Theology. This podcast is about looking at what's happening in evangelicalism. I'm talking tweets, I'm talking books, blogs, videos, all of it, and judging it according to scripture. Whether that's reacting to celebrity pastors, teasing about the latest ridiculous battle in the culture war, or just having a little bit of fun together, this show is for all the folks who feel like they're on the outside looking in, who feel like they don't have a voice, who feel like they're an underdog. Welcome to Underdog Theology. Season three, baby! We're back! We're back. Welcome to Underdog Theology, the show where we look at what's going on in Christianity and say, what? What's it? Are you for real? Did, that, did he say that? Yeah, he did say that. And we're going to be talking about what he said because we are back. 93 episodes. We've I've been doing this for two years. Today marks, I think, two years of doing it or sometime this week. Sometime this week. What's more important is that it's my wife's birthday. So we got to we gotta keep this to a minimum. <laughs> she has the day off, so she's hanging out upstairs. She didn't want to be in the chat. But you could go and wish her happy birthday over on Twitter. Do it. Do it. Do it for me. Do it for me. Go, go and say something nice. Just even if you're like, thanks for putting up with Dean spending so much time in the basement. You know, stuff like that. Uh, but we are back to talk about everything that's going on in Christianity. We've been doing it. We've been doing it for a while. We're going to keep going. There's no, there's no stopping the underdogs. We're just going to keep on, you know, biting at the ankles, I guess, because we're the underdogs. We're not like the big dogs, the big dogs, you know, they go, they go for the neck. We go, we go for the ankles when we start going like, can I, can I get a grip on that? And then we'll see what happens. But we got some stuff to talk about today. We're talking about, oh boy, Eric Kahn. If you know who he is, that's cool. I didn't. <laughs> we're starting there. Like sometimes, you know, we're talking about like John MacArthur. We're talking about John Piper. We're talking about, you know, some of these names that we're all familiar with. But we started a series before we went on a little break, which thank you again. I do have to say that, you know, some of you guys have been hopping into the other streams, but I know that there are some people who only watch the Monday stream. So just wanted to say thank you for, you know, still coming back. Uh, and okay. We do don't mess with me. Caleb Caleb's in the chat saying like the audio is weird. <sighs> don't, don't freak me out, man. <laughs> but thank you to everyone who just was like, Hey, you know, it's okay to have a break. It's okay to have a break. We're going to come back. It'll be fine because in the YouTube world, you know, like you take a break and it's just like, well, I guess your show's over because a lot of people do quit. And I find like, I just need breaks in order to like, keep going. So 93 episodes, that's a whole dang lot of me talking into this microphone or at least a microphone and having these chats with you guys. And the only reason why I can continue doing it is because you show up and also you guys are patient with me about some of these breaks that we take. Um, Okay, it was a little weird for 15 seconds. Seems good now. <laughs> well, I'll be taking a look at that on, you know, in the uh, after the show. We're going to we're going to take a look. We're going to open up the hood. We're going to figure out what's going on with that. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about somebody 
that we're not all that familiar with. And you might be asking why. Maybe you're one of those people who are just like, why would you even want to talk about this guy? He obviously, maybe you don't know who he is. So you think, well, he probably doesn't matter too much as far as having that much of an impact. Isn't there, isn't there better stuff to be talking about or, you know, like bigger, bigger people to be talking about bigger issues to wrestle with one, a lot of these guys who have been talking lately and are building their platforms now, uh, are at the beginning where I think that we as Christians can have a little bit more influence on whether that person's reach continues to grow. You know, it isn't about council culture, but it is about, you know, if there's a problem, it's better to deal with it before it becomes a much bigger problem. Right? So I think that's important. Also, the impact that some of these guys are having with this like new Christendom 2.0 thing, this conference that's coming up next year and the seven doctrines to rule the world, which is still one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen as far as like a, a big like conference, like subtitle thing. Like, no, uh, <laughs> seven doctrines to rule the world. Okay. Um, but these guys are having a lot more impact. I got an email. I got an email during our break from a family member who was like, hey, I heard about this person who is one of those guys. Um, you know, what do you think about them? You know, and they they don't watch this stuff. They don't they don't, you know, it's like his family. They don't they don't know what you, they don't watch YouTube, you know, uh, but they they know that I'm doing stuff and I'm talking about things. So they reached out through email and were just like, hey, what do you think about this person? He's one of the speakers at the new Christendom 2.0 thing. Like, I was like, huh? <laughs> I got a lot of things to say. <laughs> you know, I got this video and that video and that video. Check out those and then get back to me. Um, so if and that's someone who doesn't care about theology, or at least not the same way that maybe you or I do who are here on Christian YouTube looking things up. So my point is that these people are having far more impact in real life scenarios now. It's not just, oh, that guy has 10,000 followers on Twitter or, oh, that person, you know, has that podcast that's, you know, in the top 100 of the Christian podcasts, uh, which I'm just saying, you know, if you want to help, help a brother out, you know, maybe go and just hit those five stars over on uh, iTunes for me on Underdog Theology. I'm just saying it might help, um, you know, only if you want to, though. But this impact is just growing and growing. So. You know, some of these names we're familiar with. Maybe you you now know who Joel Webin is. Or last time we looked at Brian Save. We're going to take a deeper look into Joel Webin, by the way, in the future here. Um, we're like, but some of these speakers have also fallen off. Uh, you know, maybe because of some of the things we talked about here. I don't want to, you know, pat ourselves on the on the back too much, but uh Dale Partridge isn't going to be speaking at this conference anymore, and neither is Michael Foster. Uh, so there's been a little bit of an impact, I think, not just from this show, but people being concerned, you know, and raising up their concerns in their own platforms and stuff like that. So I take that as a positive. Uh, but we're going to be talking today about Eric Kahn. And if you don't know who that is, well, join the club. I had no idea who Eric Kahn was uh, other than I had seen his picture before. Uh, and, uh, the thumbnail for right response ministries, they had that one thumbnail and it was, 
um, you know, just kind of passed around about like the seven doctrines to rule the world. And people were kind of teasing and putting different people in and stuff like that. So I saw his picture then when it first started to roll around, but I didn't know who this guy was. Uh, I asked on Twitter, I went to Twitter and I was like, hello, Twitter friends. Would you please show me like, well, who is this guy? Like, I just asked the question, what should I know about Eric Kahn? Well, I got a lot of comments. I got a lot of comments from that and was immediately blocked by Eric Kahn, <laughs> which I thought, you know, I don't, I don't do that thing where like someone blocks me and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like a badge of honor, you blocked me. But that time I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, I literally just asked who this guy was and apparently, nope, <laughs> too much. I don't know if he's watched some of the other videos. This was long before we started talking about these guys all that much. Uh, so it's just kind of funny. So I did a deep dive and I've been watching videos and I've been listening to podcasts and I've found what I think are the biggest issues with uh, his teachings and the biggest things that you need to be made aware about. So if you don't know who Eric Kahn is, this is basically going to be uh, a little bit into who this guy is, what he's about, and you know whether he's right or not. So let's start off with just, you know, just looking at his bio, just simple bio here. Uh, so this is from the New Christendom um, Publishing thing that they started over, you know, um, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about Brian Save and his church, Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah. Uh, well, apparently he goes there. Uh, he hasn't always gone there. Like he moved, I guess, there about a year ago, I'm assuming, or sometime like that. Uh, but he was a pastor in Colorado before that. But mostly you could see he's written for magazines about gun stuff and hunting and all the things that I just don't know anything about. And, uh, you know, you can go back to an earlier Theo Live episode to find out my views about that kind of stuff. Uh, but let's just look at Eric Kahn here. Eric has a degree in sports journalism, attended seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and has worked for over a decade in the firearms and outdoor uh, media industry as a journalist later on there. When he's not podcasting at the Kings Hall and Hard Men podcast, he's probably in the backcountry chasing elk, mule deer, and all that kind of stuff. All right, so what we can know is that he went to seminary. Now, this is one of those things that I wanted to bring up because this is something that we're seeing all across the board with these new Christendom guys. You know, we looked at a map uh, of like the young restless reform leaders and a lot of those guys, you know, they, they went to seminary. They went to seminary. A lot of them have doctorates. Uh, you know, there were, there were like the Mark Driscoll's out there too, who didn't have all that much education, but we're still being listened to. But most of those leaders were educated. And now we're seeing a trend where the people who are educated are being looked at as suspicious, while the people who don't have education are being lifted up. All right, we saw this. Brian Save, he has, I believe, a bachelor's in biblical studies from um, uh, one of the Calvary Chapel schools. Uh, didn't go to seminary. Again, with Eric Kahn, uh, he went to seminary. Now, this is where things get a little like, hmm, right off the bat, because language matters, right? Like we found that out with Dale Partridge, you know, how he would describe things of, 
oh, I was at school for five years or like, you know, I went, I uh, completed my studies there and went to there and went to there making it sound like he has three degrees when he had zero. You know, we've seen this over and over again with this kind of branch of, uh, I don't know, like the new kids on the block, I guess. Uh, the new beards on the block. Maybe that's the better <laughs> title for them. Um, but they they just keep on having like this thing where they talk about how they went to seminary and then they didn't go to seminary. Now, again, I'm not one of those guys that's going to say like, you have to go to seminary in order to be a pastor. That's not my point. I do think if you're going to have a bigger platform, you should have education in what you're being platformed in. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think if you were to step outside of Christian bubbles and just like look at the world, you would see that pretty clearly. Anyone who's going to become some kind of big name uh, in medicine, you bet they're going to have a doctorate, <laughs> you know, like or philosophy, something like that. They're going to have a doctorate. They're going to have at least some education, a graduate degree. And yet we're seeing at least this trend with these young up-and-coming, very conservative Christian leaders that they don't go to school, or at least they don't go to school for the thing that they're being platformed in. And so Eric Kahn, he says, you know, he says here, attended seminary. Now, I've listened to a lot of his stuff over the last few weeks. I only found one instance where he actually described what he like his experience in in college and most of it was fo focused on Russell Moore uh so we'll talk about that here in a second but he went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary but he also talks about how he left and didn't and thought at the age of 22 is how he put it at the age of 22 he decided to not become a pastor because he wanted to focus on his family nothing wrong with that right there are a lot of guys who go into seminary they don't complete it uh, or maybe they find that it's too much for them at the time. You know, they got a family, they got jobs. It's a lot to balance. I know for me, going to seminary, working full time, having a family, it is very difficult. I understand that plight. Okay. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with, you know, tapping out for a little bit and maybe coming back to it later or, you know, never finishing up as long as you're not claiming that you did. Now, here, I want to I want to put a little bit of distinction. This is not the same thing as Dale Partridge, uh, because Eric Kahn has come out and said that he didn't finish. Dale Partridge for a long time never said that. You know, he he would use other language to describe how he didn't get earn a degree, but he would never say that I actually like I just I left I you know left my school I didn't complete anything, but here we see that language of I attended and often with his bios, you're going to see that similar language, which I do find to be like, if you're just looking at that, you would assume that he completed. And I think it's a little, uh, a little suspicious to, to put it that way of I attended again, you don't have to, but if you're going to be platformed in like these Christian circles, and you're going to be claiming to be an expert, I think it's important to have that education. Or at least, you know, make it clear that you don't. So he, he is a little misleading about his education. That's right off the bat. But I also want you to think about that. All right, we have a guy who's claiming to be a theologian. 
That's important. He's said that many times. Uh, people have said that about Eric Kahn, that he is a theologian. Um, I don't know any theologians who don't have any seminary training um, or didn't go to Bible college, even like if you want to just take it that way of just going to a Bible college, a four-year undergraduate program. Like, I don't know a single theologian who would say, I'm a theologian who who didn't, you know, go through that process. Uh, so he has a journalism degree, and then he quit seminary at age 22, according to him. Uh, I do, I'm just doing the math here, you know, of about 18 is usually when you're done with high school, a four-year degree for an undergraduate, you know, journalism degree, which is pretty cool. Like, that's a cool degree to get. Four years puts you at 22. Uh, so if I'm going to be generous with how long he was in seminary, cause maybe you're just like, well, he was probably there for a year and you know, like, or, uh, he was there for two years. Maybe he was almost done and he just decided not to complete it. So he does have most of the education by my math. Uh, we're talking probably a semester or two that he was at Southern, uh, who knows how many courses he took. Uh, so I just, I want to paint that as clearly as possible because I think this stuff really matters when we're talking about whether we're going to claim someone as an authority, you know, someone who didn't have any theological education in his undergrad because he was at a secular university getting a cool degree, which he then used to, you know, go and do this gun stuff. I have no idea about those magazine companies and whether those are good magazine companies as far as like you know, it could be very influential. I'd have no idea. And honestly, I do not care. Uh, but I'm just saying there's no theological education in his bachelor's. And by my math, all right, and from what he said, I don't see that he took all that many classes at Southern. And that's his theological education. So let that be that let that be said. Let that kind of weigh into how you're viewing this guy with how he's tweeting as an authority in theology when he didn't study it in, you know, college. And I think it was very limited. I'm just assuming from what he said, because again, nothing is ever said of years and time progress. Everyone in this world is so stinking shady about like where, how long they were at places, uh, what they understood, you know, like everything is so wishy-washy because they're trying to Make it as gray as possible so that people like you and me don't really know. Like, that's the only thing I could assume. Like, I'm not going to ascribe motive in that, but I do think it's clear that they're trying to confuse people on how much education they have, how long of pastoral ministry experience they have, just so that everyone is kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, because we can't nail them down on this kind of stuff. That's shady. All right. But let that sink in. All right. Now. Why did he leave? That's the question that we have to ask now. All right, he went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Why did he end up leaving? Well, he says in several things, we're going to look at some more clips, but you know, for the sake of time today, we're not going to look at everything. All right, uh, but he talks about how you know he looked at Russell Moore, who was, I believe, the head of theology, the, uh, the theology department at Southern during his time there. And he just disliked everything that Russell Moore said. And you can see it. You could see it in his tweets. Uh, so this is uh, from a while back, uh, you know, talking about Vladimir Putin, which uh, 
you would assume that most everyone would be in agreement about uh, Putin. Apparently, that's not the case. Uh, What do I know? I'm in Canada. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a murderer and a tyrant. He is an abuser of evangelical Christians, other religious minorities, even his own country's orphans. And now he attacks a neighbor, a democracy, a friend of the USA. God save Ukraine. Similar to the sentiment that many people, including evangelicals, put out when all that stuff began to get started. And, you know, it's waned over uh, the years I think it's been a, it's been a year and a half, right? Um, uh, whatever. Uh, but Eric decided to tweet back at that. Now that you say that, Putin must be a pretty good guy. Now, obviously, this is a joke, but at the same time, like you gotta really dislike somebody <laughs> to be like, all right. Well, if you're going to tweet this thing that pretty much everyone is in agreement about. Uh, I'm going to come in and be like, uh, no, because you're saying it like there, there is animosity that Eric Kahn has for the Southern Baptist convention and for Russell Moore in particular. Uh, but there's not just that. All right. It's like, okay, he doesn't like that. What does he like? Well, apparently he really likes Stonewall Jackson. Yep. We're going there right off the bat. <laughs> Um, he says here, this was just like five days ago, like literally five days ago, cultural transmission requires that our sons, uh, defend the cultural monuments. Our fathers faithfully built Jackson is an American and Christian hero. We talk about how to win your children's heart. So this is the King's hall podcast thing. As we learn from the story of Stonewall Jackson, our sons will either build and defend our cultural monuments or tear them down. How do we think uh, about cultural transmission and legacy work? Um, my main point in bringing this up is that Eric has a definite fascination uh, with a Confederate leader, which, you know, like there are people who value different aspects of people's lives, but to just say he is an American and Christian hero when he fought against the Union is kind of odd very odd, but also it's not just out of nowhere. This is actually, uh, why Eric, according to him actually even got started with podcasting has to do with Stonewall Jackson. So let's listen over here. Biographies and history is so important too. too. And the video is a little messed up from, I don't know what happened, but we can just listen. To be reading these things, to be encouraged, uh, because look, there's a lot of cowardice in our day. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't always so. And there's a lot of heroic men who've inspired me. I remember uh, 2020 happened and a lot of people were like, dude, we need to keep our heads down and just like shut our mouths and you Air know, on the whatever. And I happened to be reading uh, Stonewall Jackson's biography by J.R. Robertson. And just this scene of like, they're, they're actually, this is before the Civil War. And Stonewall Jackson, he's he's ordered to retreat. And he's manning the artillery, so he's got a couple cannons. And the Mexican army is attacking. They've killed or wounded all of his artillerymen. And he refuses to retreat. This is like the first glimpse of like what Jackson would be as this aggressive, courageous guy. And they said like he's like taking cannonballs that are like, you know, just missing his legs. He's got bullets ripping through his coat. 
And Jackson is firing all the cannons by himself, which is like kind of impossible, but he's doing yeah, it. it is. Well, later his niece, like he becomes the hero. They win the battle, you know, and uh, because he refuses to retreat and his commanding officers like, thank God you didn't retreat. We would have got killed. And uh, his niece asks him, she's like, why did you, why did you do that? Were you afraid? And he said, yes, I was afraid the fighting would not be hot enough for me to prove my worth as a man. And he was dead serious. You know, he wasn't like, it wasn't like showmanship or anything like that. But he, he literally was, his whole life was, I hope there will be a battle that is so fierce that I can prove my worth. Otherwise, I'm just an untested man. So I think that inspired me. I started the Hard Men podcast. I was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to wait till everything gets better. Like, I'm going to wait out into the middle and everybody's going to think it's stupid. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my tweets and I'm going to push back against the things that I find are absolutely absurd and ought to be said. And, um, you know, it's been good for me, but I, I think the biggest thing, like you said earlier, Will, is that it, it, it's what other men need to see, right? They just need to be inspired to be courageous. Like as a pastor too, and a leader, like you're doing this for your people, right? When you're being brave and courageous, what is it signaling to your people? That when you go to work and you're told that you have to use the pronouns, people are like, no, no, I don't. Because I've seen other people push back and I actually don't have to do that. Right. But if, if their pastors are always like, listen, you know, you just use the pronouns. It's gospel hospitality. Hmm. And, you know, just do whatever they tell you because, you know, love your neighbor and obey the government. Right. If that's the only thing that they're seeing, that's what they're going to do in all their spheres and spaces as well. So, again, yeah, be courageous and. Uh, so not motivated by theology, or at least, you know, that's what he's saying here. I'm sure that if you had him in a conversation, you say, of course, it's about theology. But what got him to be like, oh, I need to be one of those people that's out there, that's that's talking about all these things, that is going and being like a proponent for this view and doing it harshly, is a Confederate general. Not theology not like looking at, you know, other theologians and being like, I need to follow their lead. Nope. Uh, he, he gets that. And, you know, I think it's actually pretty fitting for how he does things online from what I found, uh, because he is really harsh, but there is something about like this mentality of like excitement. Like I, I think Eric Kahn is a guy and you've probably met people like this who have these thoughts of, I want to make an impact. I want to make an impact. And a lot of times those people are also drawn, as we've talked about many times, to extremism. Uh, this is one of the things that led to the Young Restless Reform Movement being so big. It wasn't just the theology and maybe the arguments. You know, for me, even though I am a Calvinist, I will admit that it was some of the, the personalities that were a part of that movement, as I look back now, that were such a big draw for me as a young man, because I am one of those people who is drawn to extremism. And I always have to temper myself and be careful about you know how far I go with certain things. And Eric Kahn seems to be a person that's like that. And then you know reads a biography of uh, Stonewall. 
And, you know, obviously riddled with, that's not true. I, I just, I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> Whoever wrote that biography, I don't believe it. <laughs> like of him firing all the cannons. I don't think that's actually possible. Um, <laughs> and then like bullets ripping through his jacket. Uh, I could see maybe if one did, like maybe that'd be something. But like he paints this as like almost like, Stonewall Jackson is like this, like John Wick character <laughs> who's like out there fighting these wars. And that's how Eric Kahn views himself, views himself in this argument. Like there's, there's a pride in there, but I think it's not necessarily out of like, um, you know, like lifting your own person up. It's, it's of looking at what's out there and you view it as so important that you're just like, I'm going to go and be that guy, that guy who's firing all the cannons, who's not relenting because the moment is that important. I'm going to try to assume the best and say that that's probably why he's he's doing all these things is that he views this moment as being such a big deal that he has to use all of his efforts and he has to risk it all in order to go out there now whether he believes that or not is not really the thing that's that's for him between him and the Lord. But for us who are viewing this, I think that's super important to understand. Like this is a guy with delusions of grandeur. Like he just said, he wants to be that he views himself as being that in this moment uh, of him out on the battlefield. And he's the one, you know, sending out all these tweets as if each tweet was a cannon you know, like, and, and fighting against this liberalism. And then at the end, he goes like his, his reasoning for why is because, oh, the pronouns, the pronouns, like that has nothing to do. Pronouns have nothing to do about your views about women. All right. Uh, and how you talk about women, uh, the things that you say women can and can't wear. That has nothing to do with these pronouns. But what is that? That is justification because he gets, okay, well, Christians will say, you know, like conservative Christians who would be drawn into these kinds of arguments and this this kind of a personality and, and uh, these kinds of battles, like they would look at that and be like, well, of course, I'm against the pronouns. Ah, uh, yes, he is right then. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like, no, that you... That's, that's like eight different steps down the road. <laughs> like we're talking, there's a lot of other things <laughs> that are going on. It's not just about the pronouns. And then he wraps it up in the, oh, obey the government because he knows it's going to draw on people. And I think this is why we're seeing these guys advance so much online right now is because of everything that's happened. It's because of the polarization. It's not just that these guys have felt it, and that's why they're doing it. But the reason why they're gaining momentum is because they're feeding into that that hate energy. You know, that energy that's out there, you felt it, right? Like whenever you go onto Facebook and you have any kind of conversation about vaccinations, right? You're gonna you're gonna get some of that. <laughs> like, or that little bit of hesitancy that you have to to post that thing about something that's similar to that, something we've wrestled with the last three years as just a society. Right, you feel that way because there is a definite polarization that's happened. Because there are people who are out there who are extreme and are being loud about that, and they're upset, 
And these people, just like the same people who, uh, what's that guy's name? Andrew Tate? Is that his name? I don't know. I don't watch him. I just, I, I've seen Christian YouTubers talk about him. And that's how I know about him is from Christian YouTubers, which is really dang sad. Uh, but like that guy who's accused of all different kinds of things, the way he got popular is because of this stuff, because of that hate energy that's out there. And I do think what's happening now, I'm not saying everyone who follows after these guys are filled with that or consumed with that, but I do think that that is out there. And it's feeding into why these guys are gaining so much momentum. I think without that, they probably would gain some, but it wouldn't be like what we're seeing right now, which is again, family members of mine emailing me and telling me like, Hey, have you heard about these guys? Uh, what do you think about them? All right. So that's where he's coming from. Not a lot that we know about his background, but we know his philosophy his philosophy is I'm going to be as extreme as possible because that's what this cultural moment needs. It needs me out there lighting all the cannons with my tweets. Okay. So let's look at some of those tweets and some of those views. Uh, so what does this guy actually teach? Well, he teaches things like this, which is way too big and I need to fix. Okay. Uh, a little bit better. <laughs> So he says this singleness is closer to a curse than a gift. It is shocking. Anyone would actively seek it or that churches would teach. It is preferable. It is an ideal or normative. God settles the solitary in a home. So he goes to Psalm 68, which again is, you know, metaphor and not to be taken as like, Hey, do this. But you know, he, Again, maybe it's a lack of seminary training uh, because it is not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2, 18. Jesus' aim wasn't staying single. He marries the bride. Mm. So like, I think someone probably responded to him. What about Jesus? Jesus was single. And he's like, well, no, actually, he went to go and marry the bride. But we all understand that marrying the bride for Jesus is a different kind of idea than him physically getting married, right? I would hope that we all agree about that, but maybe not. Paul is an exception in a time of intense persecution that proves the rule. Genesis 1.28 is still normative. Grace restores nature. It doesn't replace it. So singleness, according to him, is a curse. But what does the Bible actually say about that? <laughs> it's it's saying that, you know, singleness is okay. And if you are single, you can glorify God in your single state. That's what Paul says. Paul also talks about how maybe it could be a good thing. Maybe some people should, if they can, remain single uh, unless they, they have, you know, desires that, you know, only the... Uh, the marriage can actually offer some some relief to like there's there's stuff like that. But also, you know, some of these guys who say that it's just like maybe you could just calm down a little bit, too. You know, like maybe you can learn some self-discipline. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> Josh Butler has entered the chat. <laughs> but basically that that's what his arguments are, is that, OK, well, the Bible's wrong. Because that's that's clear. You know, you want to talk about clear things in Scripture. Like, that is one of the clearest things, that singleness is something that can be good for a Christian. And Paul says that some should pursue that. And if they have to get married, they have to get married. But if they can, they should be single. 
so that the Bible offers that to Christians and says, either in the single state or in a married state, you could glorify God and live, you know, a good, a good, healthy life. And apparently that's just not good enough for him. The reason why is because he has this view about men and women, that man needs woman as a helper, but there is that level of difference between uh, them. Let's take a look at how he views some of these, um, <laughs> some of these liberals, some of these liberals, these these dang complementarians, and uh, see <laughs> see what he thinks about them. Out there, I think really what complementarian complementarianism is first of all is really hard to pronounce, <laughs> uh, which is why. I'm not going to fault the guy for stumbling over his words, by the way. Like I do it all the time. So that's not part of that. It's a terrible theology. It's also hard to uh, spell. It, comes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. So it really comes out of the late 1980s and you're getting a response to feminism and uh, egalitarianism. Um, so really just feminism. And so you get a lot of evangelical thinkers, Wayne Grudem and John Piper, uh, Mary Cassian, uh, some people like this, they get together, they say, how do we uh, combat the uh, feminism that's going on? Um, and really what they do is they say, well, let's really what we want to stress is that men and women complement each other. So uh, this is a couple of things. Number one, it's a downplaying of hierarchical order as found in like Ephesians 5 and 6. Um, they're trying to stress, hey, look, you guys are, you know, you're different but you complement each other and they really typically are going to want to downplay the fact that there's, you know, a, a wife has to submit. A husband is Lord. He is the authority. Which of course, as you guys are all aware, they always leave out the verse that follows right after submit to one another. And so even Mary Cassian has written um, on the gospel coalition um, she's explained this. She said, we intentionally chose anti-hierarchical language. Um, and, and really, she, she comes out and says it. It was a lot of the like Marxist thought that was influencing that decision. Uh, John Piper will say the same thing. Uh, him, him and Grudem will say the same thing in their book, Recovering Biblical Womanhood and Manhood. Um, so how does it play out today? Generally, you have a few camps of complementarianism. Um, you've got soft and harder and, um, you know, typically, though, what you're going to end up with is men and women. Yeah, they kind of have some roles, um, but it's mostly relegated to family and the church. Hmm. Um, so Which is even though I don't accept the term as com of complementarianism anymore, because there are so many people who have taken that to mean all kinds of things. And I don't want that attached to me because I'm very different than most complementarians that I have met. OK. Um, as seen in, uh, our stream on Friday. <laughs> All right. So want that said, but that's what I've talked about so often with those different spheres, right? Those different circles of where they view, uh, men having the authority. And, you know, I've talked about how qualified men in the church, uh, men in the home, but it looks different than how these guys would describe it for sure. And then also in the world. And that's what makes these guys go from, you know, complementarians to patriarchy. Um, like the reason why is because of the realm of the world and also a little bit of how they deal with things in the home. But he's saying 
those two other ones, it's not good enough. That's not far enough. That's not biblical. It has to be in the world as well. And here is why. Um, uh, they've been kind of picked on, uh, but the John Pipers of the world, he would be harder in this camp where he's saying, look, I, and he won't even, honestly, he won't even really be that hard in my view. He, he won't just come out and say, look, absolutely not. Women should not be serving in law enforcement. Women should not be um, serving in these like combat roles, police officers. John will say, yeah, that's probably maybe not the best idea. Let's talk. And then you get, you know, the Amy Bird, Carl Truman camp, and they were actually ridiculing John Piper for this. Hmm. So I think fundamentally what's happening here. Me too. Like I also, like I wouldn't say ridiculed, but I've also raised my objection. There's a war on biblical sexuality. Um, and I think this one is particularly dangerous. I've gone after it a lot because it is such a Trojan horse. It looks like, and many times is, faithful, reformedish. Uh, guys who are saying, yeah, I'm complementarianism. You know, I'm complementarian. And, and for a long time, I would have said that too. Um, I thought, well, I thought that was the conservative position uh, because really nobody at the time, so like late 90s, early 2000s, nobody was really defending patriarchy. Right. It was like, well, I wonder this, why. this is horrible. Except for Russell Moore. Uh, obviously. Russell, yeah, Russell except Moore for Russell was, Moore. Yeah. God, of God, all people. God bless him. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I think really it's a war on um, all of sexuality. We have to recognize it as such. Um, it's a war against women as well. It's not doing women any favors. And we can also look at the fruit of complementarianism. It's been really bad for the church. Uh, most of the people who've defended it uh, have given ground pretty quickly uh, mm -hmm. to the left and to uh, false sexual ideology. So he's saying that complementarianism fails. Uh, it fails women, which some egalitarians in the chat might be like, hey, 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 you know, this is actually a pretty good argument. <laughs> but uh, he's he's saying like it's it fails women because, you know, these guys have taken, you know, authority into their own hands and they've misused that. Uh, but also that it's failed like historically because it leads into liberalism. And, you know, if we're going to judge the fruit <laughs> of an ideology and, and like view like all right feminism uh complementarianism like we'll put it in those kind of categories or uh, like maybe egalitarianism complementarianism and patriarchy i think i know which one has done the most harm throughout history <laughs> it's just it's a little interesting to be like oh we should use that as an example here and then just be like, uh, but, you know, we're not going to talk about any of the downfalls of patriarchy over the years. <laughs> OK, uh, let's let's listen as he continues. But I think sometimes you can you can miss the obvious, like just read Ephesians five and it is hyper crystal clear. You can read Genesis one mm. and two and you see that. I mean, any it, pretty much any honest Old Testament scholar will tell you the act of naming which God delegates to Adam is de facto authority. Mm -hmm. And who does he name? The woman. Eve. Yeah. He clearly has authority over her. You know, submission and obedience. I mean, these... So that's what I would say. Just go to what's clear, and it is crystal clear, mm -hmm. and let's... This is one of the worst arguments for patriarchy, guys. And it's one that they've used so often of, okay, well, because God told 
Adam to name things. Then Adam names woman. Uh, that means that he has authority over her. One that puts Eve into the category of animals like that. Like, okay, well, if that's where authority is derived of naming things, um, then he has the same authority, uh, over her as he does the animals and he's supposed to dominate. And I do think that in some part, these guys would agree with that. Like maybe they wouldn't put it in those exact terms. All right. I want to be fair to them. I'm, I'm always trying to like, imagine if I were having a conversation with these guys, you know, what they would push back on. But, uh, I think that there is something to that of how they view even the beginning of authority, uh, that it's okay. Well, it's in that same moment when, you know, Adam goes and he goes and he names out uh, all the animals. And that means that he has authority over Eve because he names her woman. I think that that's partly where this begins to go wrong and begins to get way more intense because, you know, you got a lot of authority over an animal. If you got a pet, you know, you, you go out, you let, like, I guess, I guess Joel Webin already said it of where he gets to dictate when, uh, his family gets to use the restroom. Um, but that's like the authority that you have over an animal, right? Or whether they can go and, um, you know, go have kids, you know, or uh, whether they can go outside, whether that you like you dictate everything for a pet. And I do think that there's something to this where they go like, all right, if that's where authority is derived, we get authority because God gave us that ability as men to be able to name women. Uh, then, like you have that kind of authority, but that that's not taking into consideration. One naming something isn't that powerful, right? <laughs> like, uh, that doesn't dictate like what's going to happen with those people. Just think about, um, you know, Christopher Columbus coming over and naming people like, I mean, okay, but doesn't mean like he owns those people. Now, Christopher Columbus did some really bad stuff. So maybe, maybe he's not the greatest example, but my point is, is like, you can name something and not have authority over something. And he's saying like, Oh, all these old Testament, um, people like these, these scholars, they think that news to me, <laughs> I've read a lot of commentaries preaching through Genesis <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I've seen that one before, but let's go with him and say that he reads these and he, like, that's a thing for them. It's wrong. It's wrong because when you name something, it doesn't give you authority over that thing. And it doesn't give you the same kind of authority that you do when God says to them, not to Adam, to them to have dominion over the earth because woman is also made in the image of God. And that that's one of the biggest problems with these patriarchy guys is that they not just like demean women and put rules on women, but they also take away from women that same standing that they have with God and, and that same spiritual lineage of being a person made in the image of God. And they kind of take a little part of that away from the woman. It's not right. It's not theologically correct, but it also leads to all kinds of awful, awful impacts on the relationship between men and women. Uh, so he says that it's because of Ephesians 5 and because of Genesis 1 through 2, that that's where patriarchy comes from. I have listened to a lot of his stuff, 
and he doesn't give any better arguments, or at least in my estimation. There's nothing that he goes and says, oh, uh, I'll exegete this passage and that passage. You know, he, he goes to Psalms sometimes. He goes to some of the prophets, but usually that's about, uh, you, you know, talking about, uh, you know, uh, Israel and the relationship between Israel and God, and he applies that to men and women. It's It gets really weird sometimes. But this is, I think, like his base argument is because of Ephesians 5, which he always takes out, that they should submit to one another after. And then also Genesis 1 through 2, where he does this, where he claims to have, like, he claims authority for Adam over Eve the same way that Adam has over animals to to dominate uh, because he names her. That's not a good, uh, good argument. But let me show you why that's so bad. Where does that kind of stuff go? Well, it leads to stuff like this. Now, I've shown this before because it's so ridiculous, but I want I want you to see like how he views women and then what he thinks he can tell women to do, to wear, how to behave, how to even use their body. He gets very explicit. Uh, Eric says, uh, Simona Halep uh, had breast reduction surgery. Uh, we'll say once again for any parents, uh, the next the next few things we're going to talk about, It's uh, there are going to be some words. We'll look at a couple clips. Uh, Eric doesn't say the kindest things about women, so just have that in mind as you're you know having little ones around maybe. It's going to be one of those kind of episodes. Uh, so her 34 double uh, D chest was getting in the way of her sporting dreams. So she went under the knife at the age of 17. This is a war against the female body and nature. So this guy, because of all his theological education, because of his experience, thinks that you know, all right, well, I get the authority over women, like we see Adam having over Eve, see Adam having over Eve in the garden there, uh, that I get to go and I just get to say all those things. And I, Eric Kahn, am out here, you know, fighting the battlefield and lighting all the cannons of my tweets like Stonewall Jackson. This is what it looks like. This is how it all comes together. He starts tweeting out garbage like this in saying that, uh, he starts commenting on the size of breasts of a tennis player he's never met, never will meet, uh, and saying, like, you know, what the size should be. Yeah, he's that dude. Sam is not happy. <laughs> oh, he's that dude. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's not just that, though. All right. Um, let's let's see. Just people. Yeah, let's. Let's listen to some things. Again, if you have little children, which this guy loves to talk about how, you know, uh, how to raise kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting that he uses this kind of language. I don't know if he teaches his children this. Well, just like hoes there. Right. What? And, and then if you're like a woman, like my wife. Let's listen to that. Because people dress like hoes there. Right. And, and then if you're like a woman, like my wife is like, honey, I don't feel comfortable going to the gym. Like. It's creepy. That's a great, you know, for a thousand bucks or under, you can build a home gym. You can put one in your house and you can work out privately and you don't have to deal with any of the hose or yoga pants or, you know, sports bra attire, or any of those things, you know, for my teenage sons, for my wife, for myself. All right. He calls women 
hose. Like I even feel weird even saying that word, like, like saying it out loud, like to go on a podcast (laughs) and say that just shows you use that word all the time. Like that, that, that's what that means. If you're willing to say something publicly, you say it privately far more often. That's how words work. Um, it, it is shameful that anyone who would claim to be a pastor is using this kind of language about women to describe them. And he does, he uses it often. This isn't the only clip that's out there on the internet of him describing women in this way. Why does he think that it's okay to talk about women this way? It's because he views them as, you know, it's, he has the same authority like Adam has over the animals. He views that before men and women that he can dominate. So he can talk about them any way he pleases. Uh, and he does. And this is the same problem that I had, even though I haven't heard Brian Save say that specific word. But you remember that clip of the patriarchy conference, which again is a ridiculous thing uh, that is even a thing, but it is. And uh, Brian Save was asked what these, like how to handle these crazy bees. And as a pastor on a stage, didn't take that opportunity to say like, hey, you know, like I know that like things are really charged right now, but let's make sure that we're respectful of people and that we're, you know, not just like, obviously when you put crazy and the B word together, we all know what kind of person that's coming from and what they think about women and to not deal with that at all. You know, they want to talk about how complementarians are the one who's, who's dropped the ball as far as treatment of women and we'll do it better right? The, the patriarchy guys will do it better. And this is how you talk about women. And this, like when Brian, Brian Save is asked that from a stage as a pastor, he takes no opportunity to be like, Hey, that's not the right way to describe women. Like, let's make sure, like, even though we have disagreements, let's make sure that we're being kind as people. Like this isn't like the biggest thing in the world. And again, you know, it's like I, I did a stream a while back about cursing. You can go and find my views about that. It's not the point. When you're talking about women in this way, you know that there are things attached to words coming from people, views attached on the like where women stand in relationship to men. And when you use those words to describe people who you disagree with, who uh, you might look at and say, like, I don't like the clothing that they are wearing. I think it speaks a lot to you as a person in your character when you use that kind of language. Let's continue. Who will take the like thong built into the yoga pants, wedge up butt, whatever, you know, accentuating your butt. It's like a push up bra for your butt, basically. Mm-hmm. They'll wear those and take, you know, selfies. They'll put reels on Instagram. They put it all over for the world to see. And I guarantee you, I've met a lot of these ladies in council room. It's like the same lady is like I'm not gonna wear that for my husband. Like I don't care what he thinks, or like I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold sex from my husband. And you're like, okay, y- you're not aiming these things in the right direction. I have zero idea what that means. <laughs> like you're aiming these things in the right direction. Um, but why are there two dudes who are just talking about women's body parts like so flippantly? And like acting like it's such a, like a normal thing. That's so bizarre to me. And like using this kind of language to describe their body parts. Like, 
it's it's not just like oh that's like that's unseemly as in like maybe there's a better way to have that conversation this is why are you guys talking about this <laughs> like why are you the ones who are coming out and being like oh you know women in their yoga pants you know and brian save with his yoga pant tweet that went all over the place at least that was about like modesty and and and, and in general terms i still think it was a wrong uh tweet but like this is just like let's talk about women's butts like this is just childish is the word that comes to mind like this is this is like 12 year old kind of dialogue and they're acting like this is like a really important conversation that we need to have right now now is there like a discussion that could be had about modesty sure but to put it in these terms and and to talk about like women in the gym in this way and ha- what they're doing. And then I just want this pointed out clearly. All right. Listen to what he says here at the end. And you're like, OK. Y- you're not or uh, a little bit before is like, I'm not going to wear that for my husband. Like, I don't care what he thinks or like, I'm going to I'm going to withhold sex from my husband. And you're like, OK. Y- you're not aiming these things in the right direction. Uh, well, a little bit before that, I'm not going to go through. You heard it the first time. Uh, he talks about how he count he counsels a lot of women like this. He says that that's what he said. I can't, I, and I counsel a lot of women like this. All right, let's let's point out just a few more things. All right, uh, all right. You can talk about how you counsel counsel these women. One, I don't believe you. I just don't. I don't believe you that you counsel women who are having this specific problem because one, I showed my, my wife that clip yesterday and cause I don't know about women's fashion and I don't like, you know, some of these guys that go like, Oh, it's all over the internet. You know why it's all over the internet? Because you keep on looking at it, dude. If you stopped looking at it, it wouldn't be on your phone. That's how advertisements work. So these guys who are like, Oh, I just see it everywhere on Instagram. Yeah, because you stop for five seconds staring at it. If you scroll past, the algorithm will know, like, I'm not going to put that out to him. It's not that Satan has it out for you. It's that your eyes keep on deceiving you. But anyways, like, I don't know anything about, like, the women's fashion. What's going on? So I showed my wife that clip, and I was like, is this even a thing? And she was laughing so hard because she was like, this is not a thing. Like, this is not what normal women wear, like, like at all. She's like, this is way different than yoga pants. I thought maybe it was like a different way of wearing yoga pants and I didn't want to Google it. So I just asked her because I was sitting there with headphones listening to a lot of this stuff. And so I like she's just laughing her head off because that's not a thing. So one, I don't believe you <laughs> that a lot of women that you counsel are like dealing with this, like this specific yoga pant thing. Uh, where, where it's, it's a thong, like, okay, that's not what it is, but also just like, no one's doing that except for apparently, as my wife said, people on TikTok. Um, but whatever. All right. Like that's beside the point. What gives you any, any credibility as a counselor? No theological education, very little. I'll put it that way. I'll give him a little bit of leeway there. Very little theological education. The way he views women. This is dangerous. Having someone like this, 
who has delusions of grandeur of him being Stonewall Jackson out there firing his tweets away, tweeting about women's body parts so flippantly, having podcasts where he's calling women all kinds of names, and there's many of them. Again, that's not the only clip. You can go and find a ton more. I just don't want to show it. Um, but like, you could go and find that. That's how he talks about women, and then he's like, oh, I'll, I'm, I counsel so many. Also, you live in Ogden freaking Utah. All right, this isn't like some metro, uh, metropolitan place where, you know, you have a church that's thriving with thousands of people. I would probably say his church is probably healthy. You know, he's got like there are a couple pastors there on staff. But unless every single woman in your church is having counseling, I, I don't know what he's talking about. All I, I counsel all these women with this specific problem. Like, deceitful. Deceitful. I, I, you know, I'm willing to be corrected. I know, like, uh, I really try to not, like, ascribe motives for people when they do stuff. But when you start talking about, like, oh, using this as an example and saying it's such a prevalent thing that I'm dealing with it all the time, it's just like, I don't believe you. And you live in this little place. Like, you live in this little place. Like, you can't be doing that much counseling. I, I've pastored, I've been a senior pastor. I've been an associate pastor. I've, uh, when I was an associate pastor, we had a fairly decent sized church and I didn't do that much counseling. I'll tell you one thing, like, uh, like even the senior pastor, he didn't do that much counseling. Like, and I would imagine that our church was probably the same size. Uh, and that's like saying like, there's probably like 200 to 300 people at this, this church in Ogden, Utah. How many of these people need counseling <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. If you're just like, oh, I deal with this all the time. <sighs> like, I don't know. Are they coming from Salt Lake City and just like traveling over and they're just like, I, I was wearing yoga pants against pastor. Like, do they have a confessional booth in the sanctuary where women come in to tell them about wearing their thong yoga pants? This is where we're at. This is where we're at. These are the leaders that we're being like, oh, let's look up to these people. Let's let them have the platforms. Let's have them, you know, go up on stage and be like, oh, you know, all this stuff. And this is the garbage that they're spewing. It's gross. It's gross. I don't know this man. I'm not going to ascribe motives. I will say viewing the things that I've viewed. It's gross to me. His teachings are gross. Uh, and also, it's just wrong. Look at what he has to say, guys. Look at what he has to say. Let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> uh, if you would have peace, prepare for war. Peace is always being achieved through violence, said Pastor Eric Kahn. Yes, that's what Jesus taught. Take up arms. What? More. War is normative. Men need a fight. They need testing. Nothing will kill a nation or a church faster than luxury, ease, and excessively long periods of peace, which is kind of funny to be like faster and then long periods of peace. <laughs> um, okay. This is, this is one of those people that has like just delusions of grandeur that he's a soldier. He's a warrior. And he's out there and he's an extremist and he's just doing all these things and everyone needs to follow him because he's saying the things that no one else is willing to say. 
well, maybe they're not willing to say it because it's just dang wrong. <laughs> like, or maybe they're not saying it because no one should be saying it. <laughs> but, like you're going against Jesus here. Jesus has called us to be peacemakers. He hasn't called us to be warriors. He has like, not in that way. Not like men need a fight. Men need testing. War is normative. Like he's not talking about just spiritual stuff. Like this is really messed up. And obviously then it has an impact on your actual theology. All right, let's look at some things. Uh, So this is from him just the other day. Pastor, my theology has changed since going to college. I can't trust the Bible anymore. So this is something that he's being told. And as a counselor, this is what he says. Really? How long have you been having sex with your girlfriend? This is one of those things of like, again, a pastor being in a bubble where he only talks to other pastors and all the other pastors like, oh, that's so baller. You know, like, oh, I can't believe you said that. You know, sure. When you're counseling a young person, they're saying, I'm going to leave the faith. You have that in your mind, you know, if this might be a possibility. But to say like this person struggling with their theology and you're just like immediately that, where's your mind at? I guess that's the, that's the thing for all of this. I don't know people who think so sexually as these guys. And specifically this guy that we're talking about right now. I don't know anyone like that. I don't know unbelievers. I don't know believers who think like that and are always talking about this stuff. Like, I think that's odd. And I think that there's more going on. All right. Uh, Again, I'm not going to say what that is. I'm just saying my instincts are saying that there's more going on. If you're talking about that so dang often. Deconstruction and doubt are often thinly veiled fig leaves attempting to cover lives of sexual immorality, which is a really weird way to describe things when obviously we know where he's going. He's talking about Adam and Eve and covering themselves in the in the garden. So like it's a, it's a, it's a joke of some kind. It's just so bizarre. But that's how he counsels people. And like, let's see, okay, how does that affect his gospel? Christ died to restore men to their true, divinely given purpose as dominion takers, masculine men with gravitas, protectors and providers, patriarchs. He did not die so that you could embrace your emotive, effeminate, and androgynous self. He died to put such things to death. You know what he died? He died for sin, for your sin, not for your masculinity so you could get really ripped, dude. But this is what I'm talking about. You have someone who is not theologically trained, claiming to be a theologian, but he has like these pet topics, these these hobby horses, and he just rides those. And he just keeps on talking about those things. And again, has this delusion where he's out there, you know, being that lone guy loading the cannons and firing the tweets away to win the war. Jesus wins the war. It's not you. <laughs> There isn't this culture war that we have to make sure that we win. Now, sure, you can get involved in culture and you could be opposing of cultural things. But when this is like your everything and then it starts having an impact into your theology where this is where you go of like, oh, Jesus died to have me be this amazing person, you know, who's just masculine with a big beard And, you know, going and chopping down trees and, you know, just becoming like this lumberjack figure. 
that's not what the gospel is about. Now, other places he has said, you know, things that I think he understands what the gospel is. Again, I'm not saying that this person is not a Christian. All right. I'm not going to do that. But I'm just saying, like, this guy is trouble. He is trouble. <laughs> and I think if you have listened to this guy, and maybe you like some of the things that he's talking about, masculinity, things like uh, of that nature, like, and you see issues in culture, you don't have to go to people like this. You don't. There are so many options. Don't feel like, like oh, it's just this one guy who's saying all these things I agree with. You can find other people who would have similar ideas, hopefully much better views, but similar ideas who aren't this guy. Like there's, there's trouble here. And uh, I think you can just see it in all of his tweets. You can see it when he describes women. Like this is not, I would put this, like even though he's on staff with Brian Save, like, so like, there's some wisdom there of Brian and the other pastors there and like what's going on, why they're letting this guy go. And I will say, um, I forgot to put it in the clip. He's talked about it before, how he's had, I think at his other church in Colorado, uh, that he had people, uh, or no, he put it as got like gospel coalition-y kind of churches that he was a part of. He had people coming to him, elders coming to him, telling him to knock it off with his blogs and that like it was too much for them and he viewed them as weak and then like even pushed it back of like, oh, is that what your wife thinks? Like, it, like and it was like, oh, the pastor's wife was the one really pushing these things. Well, maybe she was right. This guy's trouble. This guy's trouble. You should not be paying attention to him. He, I don't think he has a doctrine that is like going to, he's going to teach us that is going to help us rule the world. If this is what Christendom 2.0 is about, no thanks. Hard pass. I don't want any. Big yikes. All right. Let's head over to a new segment that we're going to talk about. I think one of, one of the, the it's going to be fun. Let's go over there. I haven't done this show in a while. Oh crap. What is that? No, 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 no. You didn't see anything. You didn't, you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything. Um, <laughs> all right. So I thought it'd be fun to just get a little bit more interaction. Cause I know like with these streams I do on Mondays, it's not the same thing as Friday. You know, I'm not in the chat as much. I see you guys tweeting or not tweeting, uh, you know, throwing in stuff and I love it. And you guys could have a lot of you know, interactions. And if you aren't hopping into the chat, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should be in the chat and hanging out and, you know, being around other people. Uh, but you know, I'd, I'm not in there as much, but I thought it'd be fun to have a little bit more interaction and give you guys some options. So we've got a new segment where we're going to call it tweet of the week. And you guys get to tell me what is the worst tweet <laughs> of, of these three. So this is just random tweets that I found uh, that is just really, really bad. So let's start off with actually a YouTuber who is someone I didn't know, and except for his thumbnails, which I just, one thing I will say, Gen Z, your thumbnail game is awful. I, I get like, I'm not saying mine is great, but I am so tired of clip art getting a hundred thousand views <laughs> on YouTube and it's just something about Gen Z. They don't know how to design. Uh, they, they don't know, they don't know what looks good and they click on anything. 
except for my stuff. <laughs> but, um, but here, here we go from redeemed zoomer. Maybe you've seen this person around, uh, on YouTube. I don't watch anything. Um, but he, I saw a little bit of an interview with him because he started tweeting some things and I was like, what is this? And this is just one of the, like, he's got a bunch of bad takes. Um, but here's one. You cannot be a Christian without going to church. Uh, the man on the middle cross said I could come. How about that? How about that? Like, yes, you can be a Christian and, uh, not go to church. That is a, that is a true thing. Now, should you be in a church? Bible's pretty clear about that. You know, you should be able to find one hopefully in your area, but sometimes also there might not be one in your area. So you might have to start your own. All right, but you cannot be a Christian without going to church. That's a pretty bad take, but is it the worst? Let's see. What's up next? Oh, from Colin Smothers, who is uh, like the one, one of the guys with Kevin DeYoung uh, with uh, the complementarian organization. I forget what it's called. Uh, he says, deconstruction is just another word for apostasy. Wow, such a simplified view. It must be right. Nope, it definitely is not. Deconstruction is something that you have to have conversations with to really understand what people mean. But is it worse than this? So the transformed wife who has a plethora of awful takes on Twitter, um, she says this, Jill Duggar Dillard is dishonoring her mother and her father. Honor thy uh, father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth because she wrote a memoir about her life. And apparently that makes her like a very bad person. Oh, look. Oh, we're getting dislikes all of a sudden. Hey, new Christendom guys. How you doing? You know, watch the whole video if you would, you know, just don't come in and say like, uh, you know, I dislike the video. Maybe, maybe hit, you know, like maybe some of you might change your mind and maybe hit the like button after a while if you actually watch. Uh, but let's put that into the poll. And do we have it? Do we have it? Do we have it? Why is it not working? Let's go here. Did it work? Is the poll active? This is a new thing I'm trying out. Dang it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. We'll do a new poll. It's not acting right. Dang it. I had it all lined up. <sighs> Didn't work. Let's see. Tweet of the week. And we're going to go. No church. No Christian. We're going to go. Duggar dishonoring. And we'll go deconstruction is from the devil. <laughs> and let's, is that one going to work? All right. So there is, there is a poll in the chat. If you're here, you can vote. Which one do you want to be the tweet of the week? <laughs> RJ, <laughs> how do you choose? You got to. It's, it's like one of those things of like being like, which, which is the worst you know, decision to make what, what, what is going to have the biggest impact. All right. Uh, let's go over and let's, let's, before we get into the penalty box, let's and bring it on down to funding. 
All right. So in Fundyville today, we got a sermon. I'm sure it's going to bless you. Let's go. Goldilocks. No Goldilocks. Locks of hair. Hmm. Well, here's what God says about the hair of a woman. Uncover thy locks. God says that. He says, make bare the leg. Now the leg, oh yeah, look, get a biology book. Get a dictionary and you'll find out that the leg goes from the waist all the way down to the ankle. That's Ooh, what the he's leg flexible. is. I'm not, there's not in the Bible, there's just common sense. It used to be common sense. A leg is from the hip all the way down to the ankle. That includes the leg. That's a leg, yeah. Keep reading. Okay. Uncover the thigh. Now the thigh, we're getting closer now. The thigh, you know, lot. goes from the hip area all the way to the knee. So God says, uncover the locks, uncover the leg, uncover the thigh. That's what God says. Hey, you want to live for the devil? God says, go ahead. You want to leave me? God says, go ahead. You want to live disobedient? Go ahead. You want to live a rebellious, hard life? Go ahead, he says. Go ahead. Who says? Pass over the rivers. Here's what God calls all that stuff. Thy okay. what? Thy nakedness. <gasps> so God says when you uncover your thigh, I don't care if you're swimming with shorts or a bikini or you're walking down the street in shorts, God says it's nakedness. God says it's it. nakedness. <laughs> Pastor, nobody else is preaching that today. I know that. That's why America's being cursed. And that's why the Muslims are growing and growing and going to take over America. Americans are stupid, man. They're idiots. You can't even <laughs> see the handwriting on the wall. I mean, we were coming to church this morning. We, we passed a, a, a Muslim. I'm guessing it was a Muslim. She was, had her head covered, a dress all the way down to the floor to her ankles. But you can't do that because you're fooling yourself because you're an American liberated woman who's cursed of Almighty God. And I'm not saying the Muslims are saved. So that's the way women always used to dress. With a head covering all through the, all through the Bible. But pastors say, say, you know what? I love your money more than telling you what the Bible says. <laughs> There's so much. That guy, that guy's angry about a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's a, like one you're like okay where is he going with this leg thing oh okay just typical fundy stuff which is actually not that different from what we've been talking about this entire episode but okay like all right like we we get it and then out of nowhere that's why this and that's why that and then at the end <laughs> the pastors just want your money <laughs> okay all right let's go over to the penalty box you want to see a penalty i'll show you a real penalty Get out of my face, man. All right. Well, what do we got? It's been a while since we did this. Uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of comments. Some of them were a little too mean, so they just got deleted. <laughs> so uh, I will say, like, I've been getting a lot more of these from the, like, Christendom 2.0 guys. So that's been fun. But let's see. All right. Here's one of them. Uh, one of the nicer ones. Love Joel Webbin. Hey, okay. You can love who you want to love. All right. Uh, love Joel Webbin. Uh, the man is a based Chad and not some weak little man boy who compromises with the world to which I would say, um, is that supposed to be me? <laughs> is that me? I don't know. Uh, but what is a based Chad guys? If you're going to comment on my channel, please use adult language because I don't understand 
these terms. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you just have to go into the penalty box. Next up. There's the whistle. There's no excuse there. He knows that whistle's been blown. Uh, so this is on the Doug Wilson short. Not sure why you'd waste your life trying to become popular and slandering faithful ministers of the gospel. But hey, keep on coveting what you'll never attain. One, I don't want to live in Moscow. I'll tell you that much. Definitely don't want to live in Moscow. Uh, next, uh, I would say uh, what faithful minister of the gospel is here? Uh, they're there. They hold to, um, you know, with, with their, their views on, on justification. Uh, I, I don't think it's there. Thanks for hopping by though. Let's see what's next. Two minutes for slashing and two minutes for roughing. This is coming from Google email. So, you know, it's legit. The first thing I ask myself is I wonder what this presenter's secret sins are. Also, what has this guy done or is doing for Jesus Christ? Reformed Baptist, as in Westbury Baptist. I don't know what Westbury Baptist is. Is that supposed to be Westboro Baptist? Uh, but also, you're talking about like you're defending John MacArthur. You're defending John MacArthur, who claims to be Reformed, and his theology is Baptist. So if you're coming at me for being Reformed Baptist, like, do you know your guy? <laughs> like, I'm just saying... Uh, I don't know. All right. Uh, that about wraps up the show. But first, we got to see, you know, where are we at with this poll? We got to end the poll because I got to go and pick up kids. And let's see. All right. So we've got tweet of the week. Oh, snap. We got Duggar Dishonoring is our leader. So that's the tweet of the week with 50%. No church, no Christian got 27%. And deconstruction is from the devil got 22%. Ah, what a bummer. What a bummer. I was really rooting for deconstruction. <laughs> you know, whatever. All right. That's the show. We're back, guys. Going to get back into the normal grind. So we'll have a stream on Friday. Might have a stream on Wednesday night. Be checking, you know, your subscription box to see if that happens. And you got to be subscribed in order to know that that that's going on. Anyways, I got to run. I really got to run. Uh, but I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. And I hope that this was helpful in some way. You guys asked for it, so you got it, and we'll keep it going. Uh, next up, you know, I think we'll be looking at Joel Webbin next week. That should be so much fun. No one will be mad at me at all. I'll see you then. <laughs>